when you think about the um, subject of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you think about subjects related to the Holy Spirit, um, there's a lot of different words that might pop into your mind. Um, I, you know, I was thinking about this the last, know, the last couple of weeks. Like, I grew up in, I grew up in what I would call charismatic churches or Pentecostal churches for most of my life. I had a my introduction to Christianity when my mom became a Christian was in a really conservative uh, environment that, I mean, quite frankly, I don't think I ever heard about the Holy Spirit the entire time I was there. But, like, there's a lot of different words that people have to describe their reaction to the idea of the Holy Spirit. And one of those words, I think, is confusing. Like, it seems like sometimes people are really confused by the Holy Spirit for a variety of different reasons. Uh, I was sharing yesterday with some people that I was going to this church for a while that was um, extremely Pentecostal, and we would have like what I called, I called it tongue time. And, and what happened is that at some point in time in the service, it was like expected that everybody would just start speaking in tongues, and it would just happen. And if you don't know what that is, don't freak out. But in the Bible, the, te- the Bible teaches that there's a spiritual gift called speaking in tongues where people will speak in a language that they do not know, um, and there's a lot of debate about that. But at any rate, it was like everybody would do it. And I remember when I would be bringing friends to church, I would be praying the whole time, Lord, don't let them have tongue time. Don't let them do it, you know, because it was so confusing. And I remember one time it happened and my friend was just like, what? And he was, he like was raised Roman Catholic and he's like, dude, what was that about? And I was like, All right, it's confusing, very confusing. So that word confusing might be like a really, really easy word to use to describe your your assumptions about the Holy Spirit based off either your experience or what you've heard. Uh, another word I think sometimes people use is scary. Um, I was uh, attending these Holy Spirit revival gatherings one time, and, and I, was, I was a young, I was probably like 16, 17 years old, and I remember, um, you know, the first night of this revival service, this, there were like thousands of people in this conference, and the speaker got up and talked about, you know, Jesus and in the kingdom of God and things like that. And then they, he just said, hey, I'm going to let anybody who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus or wants to receive prayer come forward. And like thousands of people run forward. And I was watching because I had gone there with a bunch of people from our youth group. And many of the kids I was with were not into like Jesus or religion or stuff. And they were running forward. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I was like watching. And then I saw people getting prayed for and they were falling down everywhere and, and shaking and all this stuff that... I thought it was a little scary. I was like, okay, this is, I am in a cult. How do I get out of this place? Like, I was trying to, like, figure out, like, and I'm here for a week. This is great. You know, and so it was a little scary. I didn't have any comprehension or understanding about what was going on. And quite honestly, I think also of many examples uh, over the last 20 years of pastoring where, where something's happened where there might be what I would now call demonic oppression and someone's having a manifestation of some type of demonic oppression and if you've never been around that it's like what is is this the exorcist like this is modern day exorcist what is going on and so i think sometimes it can be super scary the spirit can be super the subject of the spirit can be super scary and then another word is intimidating um how many of you have ever watched like tbn or any um religious television where the preacher always has a southern accent. You ever notice that? They all, by God, are here to bring the glory. And they always have like a really shiny suit too, right? And if you ever notice too, they always have a, like a gold watch that's way too big and it jangles, right? And like I've watched those and I'm watching it. It's like, 
they're up here, and I love, I mean, sometimes I go on YouTube just to watch this stuff because I feel so deeply moved in my soul. Uh, but, like, they'll invite people to come forward, and you're like, oh, man, this is going down. And then they'll start slapping people, and they'll, you know, be, I mean, literally slapping people in the name of Jesus, which I want to let you know, if you ever need that, I will totally do that for you. I want to volunteer my spiritual gift of slapping. Um, but they, they do that, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that would be so intimidating. Like, I would never in a million years, A, want to be on the receiving end of that type of ministry. And then secondarily, I think about how when I see that, it seems so foreign that I could never do ministry like that. Like, it just seems like I, I can't, you know, I can't speak in that way. I can't conjure up some type of a southern accent that is super spiritual and use all this King James language in order to be able to minister to somebody effectively. I, I just think that there's a lot of different words that come to mind for people when they think about the Holy Spirit. I do think that because of the way that churches have functioned and done, done things, it can be super confusing, it can be scary, and it can be intimidating. And, and I think all of those words could be very true about you this morning. But let me just tell you that I think there are few subjects in today's world that are more relevant and more important for us than understanding who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how the Holy Spirit is at work around us, and being attentive to those things. So here's what we're going to be doing this month. We're going to be starting a new sermon series called Core, and we're going to be talking about our vineyard values here at our church. And you know, when you think about values, values essentially um, matter because I think values are designed to keep us on track. Uh, and everybody in this room has values. Everybody in here has things that you value above other things. I mean, so every family has unique things that they value that might be different than other families. And it doesn't necessarily make your family better or worse. It's just the reality that we all have them. And that's true of churches too. And so I want to talk a little bit about you know, what is essentially um, distinctive or unique about the vineyard compared to other churches? And I don't say that in the sense of, like, we're better than, because if you know me, I believe with all of my heart in the church, uh, capital C Church. Like, I regularly pray for churches in our community. I don't have any animosity about other churches. In fact, if people leave our church to go to another church, I'm super, super stoked. I think it's great that they're involved in church. People who are not going to church or not a part of a community, that's who I'm really concerned about. So I don't have any problems with, with other churches. I do think, though, that there's things that we do and there's beliefs that we have that are unique and they help shape us in a way as to why we do what we do. And, and it helps also guide why we want to continue doing what we do. So in the Vineyard Movement, and as, if you know anything about the Vineyard, you know that there's about... I want to say there's roughly between three to 4,000 vineyard churches all over the world. And we all have in common these values. And you can see on the screen there, there's five different values. And so these are our core identifying values of who we are. And so we're going to talk about these over the next month. And today, I want to talk about one in particular, the idea of partnering with the Holy Spirit. But as is our tradition here at the vineyard, we are going to start by reading a passage of scripture and then we're going to jump into discussing the implications of that passage of Scripture in relation to how it grounds our understanding of our values. And so if you have a Bible, feel free to read along. But I'm going to be in John chapter 5, verses 16 through 23. Um, 16 through 23. 
And if you are uh, you know, following along here, what has just happened in the text is Jesus has just healed a lame man. He's, he's healed somebody. And then what happens is, is Jesus gets in trouble and the lame man gets in trouble because it happened on the Sabbath. And all these super religious Pharisees and, and um, you know, leading um, scribes of the day were like, whoa, 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 you're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. And so here's what we read. So, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished, for just as the Father gives life to those who he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to everyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. So this idea of partnering with the Spirit is kind of what we're going to talk about, this value. I had this friend um, a number of years ago, like when I had first started, I guess, entering into ministry and pastoring, I had this one friend who was one of those radical, crazy, sold out for Jesus, constantly trying to do the works of the kingdom, constantly putting me in positions where I would have to, like, you know, be worried <laughs> about my, my reputation and always being forced to take risks. He was a great friend to have because he was always doing things like that. And this one time we, we were downtown in the city that we lived um, or lived near, and there's probably, you know, I think 100,000 people live in the city. It's a college university town. And we were at a meeting, and at the end of the meeting, we were walking back to our car and just walking on the sidewalk. And as we were walking, my friend says, hey, we need to go in this bar right here. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, just kidding. Uh, like how most of you didn't get that. But he's like, we need to go in this bar. And I was like, all right, you know, like what for? And he said, there's a person in this bar here that we need to pray for. And I was like, did, did you set up a meeting or something? Like, how did you know that there's somebody in there? And he said, I just, I have, there's just, we need to go in this bar. And so I just remember being like, okay, I'm just going to hang out kind of behind here and watch what happens. And so I followed Josh into the bar. And he walked up to this guy who was sitting at the counter, who he had never met in his entire life, and walked up and said, hey, I, I just really feel like God wants me to pray for you. Is there something that's going on in your life right now that you need prayer for? And immediately the man started crying. Like, and again, I just want to point out, this is one human being at this bar amongst, you know, a whole bunch of other people. So I always wondered, like, how did he know it was him? But he, he walks up to him and says, hey, is there something that I need to I pray for you for? I feel like God wants me to, to encourage you to pray for you. And the guy just starts weeping and shares, yes, my uncle, whose uncle, who's basically been a father in my life, just got diagnosed with cancer, and I'm, I'm beside myself. And so, you know, at this point, I'm like, whoa, this is pretty interesting. 
And so my friend Josh just starts praying for him and praying for his uncle. And, and this man was just like totally, you know, how did you know? And how, how did you know that, that I am going through this? And so my friend Josh prays for a while for him. And, and then my, my friend Josh says, hey, I noticed because the guy had a pair of crutches right on the side of the bar. And he said, how, how you know, what's going on with that? And the guy said, well, I actually, you know, hurt my ankle recently. And so I'm, I'm using these crutches. And my friend Josh said, okay, well, I'd love to pray for that too. And then he prayed for him. And like, I'm used to praying for people and like that stuff is somewhat normal, but I could not believe what happened because the person like stood up and was like in shock because they were no longer in pain. He's like, my ankles healed. And in this span of like 10 minutes, I saw God's kingdom break into this moment. My friend prayed for the uncle, my friend prayed for the guy and the guy like left completely transformed from his impact with God's kingdom. And I've, I've thought about that. I remember, like, months later, I just was like, that was so crazy. You know, like, I was like, do you just randomly walk into bars and walk up to people? And I was like, maybe that's the key. And I remember talking to my friend, though, and I was like, well, how did you know? And he, he said he just had this sense as he was walking down the street that this bar got highlighted for him and that he had this sense that there was a person in there who was in a lot of pain he needed to be prayed for, and it was when he got there, as he walked in, it's like he, he said he just he just felt like God highlighted that particular person with those particular issues, and, and I think that's helpful for us a little bit with this idea of partnering with the Holy Spirit, because that's essentially what we see happening with Jesus' ministry. I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit, but this is core to the vineyard. When you think of the vineyard, like in the wider grand scheme of churches, I know this for a fact, other church traditions, when they think about the vineyard, what they know is that we are Holy Spirit, Spirit people. In fact, it's been said by many people that our favorite prayer is, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And, and so we have always tried to, we've tried to thread the needle as a church movement between classic Pentecostalism and conservative evangelicalism. And here's what I mean by that. Okay? Because this does, this value, I want to let you know, this matters. Like you might think, oh yeah, we're just talking about these cool values and the word partnering is so cool and Holy Spirit's God, so we have to talk about him. But the way that we do ministry, the way that we function as followers of Jesus needs to be deeply influenced and impacted by this value. And here's why. Let me tell you why. So years ago, I get invited to speak at this young adults or youth conference for YWAM. YWAM is an organization that basically raises and trains up missionaries, and then they send them all over the world. I have several sisters who have been YWAM missionaries, and so I got invited to speak at this youth conference. And I, I remember we were we were there, and we were starting off singing songs, and I was in the back hanging out, just kind of watching. And uh, we sang for like an hour. And I love music, and I know some of you are like, I wish we did an hour and a half of music every Sunday. I've heard some of you tell me that, and I'm like, gee, thanks, because I. We'd like to preach for an hour and a half. Uh, but, like, some people love that. And it's cool. Like, I love music, but I am definitely not an hour and a half guy. I'm like, 30 minutes, I feel great. Can we transition to something else? That's just me, okay? And so we're singing for an hour, and I was oh, my gosh, what is going on? And I remember this lady got up, and she's like, hello, everybody. My name is so-and-so. I am a prophetess. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. She's a prophetess? Like, that's her part of the title? And she's like, I just heard the word of the Lord. And I was like, okay. And she said, I heard the Lord say if we would sing for just a little bit longer and we shout just a little bit louder, 
God's glory would show up here. And I was like, okay. So then we got all into it again, started the music set again, and sang louder and shouted, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know. And then she got up one more time. We're almost there. If we'll just sing a little bit louder, if we'll shout just a little bit harder, God's glory will show up. And here's the thing about classic Pentecostalism, and I hope you hear me, because I consider myself a lowercase p Pentecostal, okay? Like, I am all about the Spirit. If you know me, I believe in all of that stuff for today. But classic Pentecostalism generally approaches this subject by this assumption that we have to do things in order for God to respond to that. And so if we can pray longer, if we can shout louder, if we can read our Bible every single day, and if we can do all these things, then God will be forced to respond to that work by showing up. Okay? So that's one extreme. Now another extreme, and this is an actual, these are views that people hold. Um, John Gill, who was a very famous Reformed theologian, his perspective was that we don't do anything until God has done it. So in other words, in order for me to share the gospel with you, you need to prove to me that you're part of the elect by believing the gospel. Did you hear that? Before I can share the gospel with you, you have to know the gospel. Does that make sense to anybody here? No. And so we've always, as a movement, wanted to thread the needle. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus teaches us in John chapter 5 that God is always at work around us. And so our job as followers of Jesus who are trying to use Jesus' ministry as a model and example, is that what we need to do is we need to see where God's at work around us and jump in and partner with that work. And so that's why we use this value, this language of partnering with the Holy Spirit. I don't have to do certain things to earn God's grace and to get God to feel like he has to respond to me. We want to respond to what God is doing and bless it. And so we base this... This idea, this, I guess, this, this idea of partnering with the Spirit on a couple of assumptions I think we see in John chapter 5. And these are kind of the keys, I think. We see that God is always at work around us. God is always at work. Did you hear that? Jesus said that. He said, my Father is always working. What if you and I started living our life in a, a way that assumed that God was actually at work in the community around us? What if when you go to Rayleigh's or Walmart, or if you really want to be entertained and you go to, go to Food Max, what if, that's no, true, what if, what if when you go there, you're there and you observe and see God at work because you know he's at work and you're able to just partner with what he's doing? Now, I mean, I could tell you story after story of, of, I mean, it seems like for me, it's always at a grocery store where God will start to, like, you know, start to nudge me to do something. I've shared these stories so many times. I see the dude with the face tattoo who I know has killed people. You know, I just know it. And the Lord's like, I want you to go talk to him. I'm like, but he's killed people. I, you know, but I've learned over the years that if I, if I start with the assumption that God is at work, I don't know what God's doing in that particular person's life. And every single time that I'm obedient to God's leading, I see God's kingdom not only break in, but God's kingdom is already at work because God is already preparing people's hearts for the inbreaking of his kingdom. I mean, how many of you would agree with me that people need to be loved and they want to be loved, right? And so God is pouring out his love into their hearts, and we oftentimes just need to figure out how to 
identify it, and then jump in where God is at work. So that's what we see in John 5. God is always at work around us. And then secondly, Jesus demonstrated that we should keep our eyes and ears open around us to see what God is doing, and then we can bless it, and then we can join in. So here's what I want to do for the rest of this uh, sermon, this, this message. I want to just talk really quickly about three ways to better partner with the Holy Spirit. I have the assumption that if you're here this morning, um, you either uh, heard we had coffee, you also wanted air conditioning, or somebody invited you, or you're such a lover of God and you wanted to worship your face off, or you don't know why you're here, okay? There's a lot of different reasons why people are here. But I'm going to assume for a moment, just right now, what if, what if you could actually be better at partnering with the Holy Spirit? What if you could actually, what, what if one day you were walking down the street of Red Bluff and you had some suspicion, some intuition that God wanted you to go into a certain particular store and when you did, somebody got highlighted and you walked up to it and just said, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? And then they told you everything and you got to see God work in their life. What if that would happen? Any of you want that to happen? Out of curiosity, that's pretty cool, right? I love the fact that there's about half of you that want that, and the other half are like, eh, not really. <laughs> it's too hot. But this is what I think three ways to better partner with the Holy Spirit, okay? Based off of what we read, I think the first thing is that you need to keep your eyes and ears open. You need to keep your ears, your eyes and ears open. This is, you know, interesting to me how, how the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and is there anybody in here who can say that you've seen the Holy Spirit? No. But you've seen maybe evidence of the Holy Spirit work, right? Like, I have not had, you know, I'm not like, when I'm doing my devotionals in the morning, I always have a cup of coffee and read my Bible, and I don't have like, you know, my door open and the Holy Spirit walk in and sit down. If I did, I'd be like, I'm clearly dreaming, you know? I haven't had that happen, but I've had numerous times where I I can become aware of God's presence. I can be aware of God's activity in people's lives. I can see it. And this is something that Jesus taught. And, and, and just for those of you who are like, I don't know, why do you pray with your eyes open? That's oftentimes um, a question. And, and the reason why I do that is because I think that there's times when you're praying with somebody, you can actually see God's presence enter into the picture, and you can see God rest on people, and you can see evidence of it. And this is what Jesus said. John chapter 3. Everybody knows John chapter 3 because verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Right? We see it every time we watch football games. Right? But this is another thing that Jesus says. He says in John chapter 3, he replied about this idea of being born again. He said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Listen to this. This is it. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So you can't see the wind of the Spirit, but you can see the evidence of the wind of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have to keep our ears and our eyes open. One of uh, you know, the vineyards, I guess, Roman Catholic friends in the early days, Francis McNutt used to always have this saying about how when you are interacting with somebody and you offer to pray for them, you might say, hey, how can I pray for you? And you have one ear and they're telling you all of their problems and you should be listening to those 
those things that they're sharing, but you always should have your better spiritual ear listening to what God might be saying. Because, for example, I've had times where people say, hey, will you pray for me? Because I have some pain in my lower back. And what I hear the Holy Spirit say is this person actually has a lot of stress and anxiety in their life, and that's actually manifesting itself in a physical way in their body. And so we're going to pray for that pain, but we're also going to pray that God would bring freedom from the anxiety and the depression that they're experiencing. So you want to always keep your ears and your eyes open. The other way to, I think, better partner with the Holy Spirit is to keep it simple, authentic, and be yourself. I, I love this. So in charismatic churches, okay, like there is a liter. We have a flow, right? Like when we're going to do ministry time, you got to turn the lights down low, right? So then you can totally get the feels, right? And there's things that we do that kind of set us up maybe to be more receptive. And I'm not anti any of those things, but I find this interesting that some of the most powerful ministry times I've ever been in was with the lights on as bright as they can be. And it's like, we just took a moment just to dial it down. Like, hold on, we don't need to work ourselves into a spiritual frenzy. Like here, I, I hope you value this. You do not have to show up with banners and flags and shofars and run around in circles in this place in order for God's kingdom to show up. Amen. Keep your banners in your bedroom or whatever. Like, you don't have to do those things. You, those are great ways to worship. I'm not at all. My mom was part of the banner team, okay? I grew up as a banner team kid. And I know that there's beauty in that, but all I'm saying is that we don't have to, like, work our way into a Pentecostal frenzy in order for God's kingdom to show up. You can totally be yourself. Did you know that the most effective way to do ministry is if you just be your authentic self? Amen. Like, you just be you. Like, you do not have to conjure up that southern accent as tempting as it may be, right? Oh, and it is tempting. But we don't have to. I think we just say, hey, how can I pray for you? And then they tell us, and we pray for people. Because we're not trying to earn God's activity. What we're trying to do is we're trying to invite and bless God's activity in people's lives. And so I think it's really important to, to keep it simple, authentic, and be yourself. God can work through your willingness to take a risk. So if you're willing to take a risk, God, God can work through that. And then third, we keep on asking for more of the Spirit's presence, power, and activity. This is something that uh, Jesus talks about uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, actually. Um, Jesus, when he's teaching about prayer, says, how much more of the Holy Spirit will, will God give you if you ask? Okay. Here, here's what's interesting. Um, years ago, um, I, was, I was speaking about, um, you know, the Holy Spirit in this church, and he opened up the, the, the opportunity for people to receive ministry, and, and this young girl came forward, and she was just weeping and crying, and, and um, she was like maybe 16 years old, and I, I walked up to her and I said, hey, how can we pray for you? And she said, I, I just have felt my whole entire life that I am um, totally empty and I'm a failure. And, and I just, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, tell me what's going on. And she said, well, when I was eight years old, I went to a church conference, a, a camp, and they invited people to come forward to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And I went forward, and I, and I had it. I experienced it. I had this powerful encounter with God. And, and they all told me that once I got that, life would be easy. <laughs> I, was, I tried not to laugh. I was just like, oh, it's so terrible. <laughs> 
But it's true. Like, oftentimes the way that we think about the Holy Spirit is that if we just have this power encounter, we'll be zapped and we'll be good to go. But that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Bible actually teaches. So look at Ephesians here. Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit, and in verse 18, he says this. He says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. How many of you agree that that is true? It's true. You see it, right? Like, don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this in the Greek language. When he wrote these words that are translated in English, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he used this phrase. He said, in Greek, it's ala pleruse and panumity. And pleruse is an ongoing, continuous, present tense word, meaning a better translation or a better way of understanding this text is that we are continuously to be being filled with the Spirit. And so when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I want you to know this morning that you may have had an encounter with God many years ago. Maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, maybe three weeks ago, you had a powerful encounter. You were filled with the Spirit. You had some type of awareness of God's presence. But you need to realize that you're not supposed to live on that the rest of your life. You can actually, every single day, experience the power and the presence of God's Spirit in your life. And that is right there from the Bible. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up together. I um, have this, I guess it's a vision, or maybe it's, it's this idea, this expectation in our church community that um, in, our, in our room right now, I don't know how many people are in here, but in our church community, I don't know how many people are part of our church, um, but just imagine if, if Red Bluff had hundreds of people who were just going about their life constantly keeping their eyes and their ears open. So wherever you work, as you're working throughout your day, if you had your eyes and your ears open, just trying to be sensitive to what God might be doing around you. Or, you know, maybe if you're a student, you're going to school and you're like, I'm a a teenager, what can I do for God's kingdom? What if you just kept your eyes and your ears open for the students around you? You Or maybe you're a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom or, or whatever it is you do in life. What if you went into that space and you constantly were keeping your eyes and your ears open so you could see what God is doing, you could partner with the Holy Spirit, and that you could join God in His work of bringing God's kingdom into people's lives. What if you could do that? Wouldn't it be amazing if we had just hundreds of people living their life that way? I'm convinced that that will make a lasting impact, a transformative impact in our city. So like, that's why in our, in our value system, we're not trying to elevate one or two people as our like primary ministry people. I think what we're trying to do here is we're trying to develop disciples who are constantly positioning themselves in a way that they can respond to what God's doing wherever they're at. That's how God's kingdom is going to come into our community. Amen? And so let's pray. Yeah, so we just thank you, God, for your presence right now. a key question for us right now in this moment is, what is God doing in this room right now? What is God doing right now? How can we bless Him? How can we partner with with you, Holy Spirit, what you're doing in this room? 
so I just, one thing I just really sense from the Lord right now is, so I, I think there's a number of you right now who you, you really do connect with God is at work. You believe that, you know that God's at work, but what you struggle with is seeing how God is at work in the practicality of your life. And so maybe you're going through a divorce or you've been through a divorce, or maybe you are trying to, to navigate some really challenging situations with your children. And, and so you can totally accept the fact that God might lead someone to go into a bar to pray for somebody, but you really struggle with seeing how God is actually interested in working in your life right now. And so you just feel like this stuff is for other people, but it's not for me. And if that's you this morning, I, I just want to let you know, I believe that God wants to show up for you today, right now. And so I'm just going to ask you if, if, you know, this is, you know, maybe not comfortable for you. But one thing that we believe about the vineyard in our space is that this is a safe space. So, you know, you are, if you ever leave this place and someone makes fun of you or judges you, um, the pastor of slapping in the face will show up. You can just let me know. I'll, I'll totally do that. But if you're here this morning and you need God to minister to you in your specific location, I'm just going to ask you right now, just to put your hand up for us right now. Just because we want to pray for you. Just keep your hand up right now. Okay. So here, here's what I'd like to do. If you would be willing to, just keep your hand up. This is another thing that we believe in the vineyard is that we believe that God works through other people. And so if you could just look around right now, and if you see somebody's hand up, would you be willing to just go make your way over there? And we're just going to pray for just a couple minutes. So keep your hand up, okay? Got a hand here, here. Anthony's back there. Anybody else? Well, you need God to show up in a very real way. Okay, so we're going to pray for you in a moment here. Um, I also want to say if it's, if it's I, I have a sense that there's a number of you that uh, when it comes to like stepping out in faith, it's really scary. And that you've had some times in your life where you felt like God said you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it. And like you kind of like go away from those spaces, kicking yourself a little bit. Like, oh, I dropped the ball again. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that he's not done with you. Like, I could tell you hundreds of times where I really felt like I was supposed to do something, and it was on the hundred and one time that I finally did it, and God showed up. And so I just want you to know that God's not done with you. So even this morning, if there's somebody in this room right now where God just highlighted them to you, and you want to go and pray for them, you, you are free to do that. And so, God, would you right now minister to those who we are praying for that have, that have publicly acknowledged their, their need for your grace and for your kingdom? Would you, Holy Spirit, come right now? Would you meet those needs? Would you, Lord, would you bring wisdom, guidance, and grace? Would you bring peace? And if you're praying for somebody right now, just feel free to pray.
Lord, I um, thank you for for what you're doing in this room right now. We just want to continue to partner with you, Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, now for everybody who's here, I pray for your work to be done and to continue to be to continue to be um, at work in our lives. I pray for healing power. I pray for for all of the different attributes that are who you are to be manifested in our lives. Okay, so I have one last thing before we wrap up. Okay, so if you're praying for something, just pause for a moment. All right, here's what I want you to do. If you are in this room right now and you accept the challenge or the invitation, depending on how you might look at it, to be a light to the world around us. If you're like, hey, I would like to do that. I would like to partner with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take your right hand. I want you to put it over your heart. Okay? Everybody else is doing it, so you're not weird, okay? And I'm just going to pray right now. God, would you right now help each one of us to be commissioned by you, to walk in grace, and to be a light to the world around us. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Help us to become more sensitive to your work around us. And help us to do all that we can to know you, Jesus, and to make Jesus known. We pray this in your mighty name. And all of God's people who agreed said amen. Folks, have a great week. Love you all. I'll see you next Sunday. Uh, And have a great week.